Well, welcome to One Hope Easter morning. This is great. If you are with us online, welcome this morning to One Hope. You know, it was a year ago, a year ago that we did not have this option. I literally was sitting on this stage right here, staring at a camera, wishing I could connect with anybody in this room, and I just look at you today, and I'm just so thankful that we are able to do that this morning. So welcome. I want you to picture this. I want you to imagine this this morning. You are throwing a party. You're throwing a party. You sent out the invitations, and you've had the RSVPs come back to you. You know who's coming, so you begin to prepare. You begin to plan every detail. And the day of the party is coming, and you're getting so excited. You're excited because all the people that are going to be able to be there and experience what you prepared. But then the morning of, the day comes for the party, and you start getting those text messages. I don't know if this has happened to you before, but you start getting those text messages. I'm sorry, I wanted to come, but I wanted to be there, but how frustrating is this? How heartbreaking is it to get these text messages because of all the planning that was put into it? It's heartbreaking. It's devastating. Flip the scenario. Have you ever been invited to a party? And when you got that invitation, you're like, yes, this is going to be fun. And so you RSVP back and you're going to be there. And then the day of the party comes. And you know where I'm going with this. The day of the party comes. And you start thinking about how tired you are. You start thinking about how busy your week is, has been and what you've got coming up. And so you start thinking. Have you done this before? You start thinking, how am I going to legitimately get out of this? Have you ever done that before? You start playing that game in your head. What's a legitimate excuse that I'm not going to look terrible? I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands, but how many of us have been there before? I give you this scenario because that's the teaching that we're going to today. What I'm going to talk about today is this exact scenario. See, the story I'm going to bring is about a big party that's been thrown, but then on the day, it starts to get messy, and it's found in Luke chapter 14. You're welcome to grab your Bibles, your phones. You can follow on the screen when we get there. But Jesus gives a parable in Luke 14 that he intended to shake and, and shock the people who are in that room with him. But, but I got to warn you about something. This may be one of Jesus' most in-your-face parables that you'll ever read. This parable, along with others, eventually will have Jesus killed. He may even be killed by the very people that we see in this scene in Luke chapter 14. 
See, it starts at the beginning of the chapter. Jesus is hanging out in a house with some of the Pharisees. We don't know which ones exactly, but we know he's mingling with the religious leaders. And they're having a meal together. They're eating. Now Luke, the writer, gives us a clear picture of what this scene looks like. By just a simple sentence, it's Luke 14, verse 1. Look what it says. They were watching him closely. You, you know what this means, right? Like, can you picture them in the room? And they're watching him closely. The religious leaders, they're, they're kind of sizing him up. As they're eating there, they're trying to figure out what he's about. And then during this conversation, during this meal together, Jesus actually heals a man. And this is when it gets really tense. Can I read verse 15 for you this morning? It says, when one of those at the table with him heard this, he said to Jesus, blessed is the one who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. Then Jesus replied, and here is the parable. A certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. Now, at the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, come, for now everything is ready. But they, all alike, began to make excuses. The first said, I just bought a field and I must go see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I just bought five yoke of oxen. I'm on my way to try them. Please excuse me. And still another said, I just got married, so I can't come. Now the servant came back and reported this to his master. And then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servants, Go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Sir, the servant said, What you've ordered has been done. But there's still room. Then the master told his servant, Go out to the roads and the country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. And he finishes it by saying, I will tell you, not one of those who, will, who were invited will get a taste of my banquet. Now, okay, so stop and picture this. Don't just hear this. Picture this. You're in the room. These people are eating a meal together. They're talking about life. They're talking about theology. They're talking about beliefs. They're just... They're just taking in food and kind of figuring each other out. The religious leaders are watching Jesus closely because they really don't trust him. Now, like I said earlier, things get a little tense because Jesus heals a man on the Sabbath and this is a a giant no-no for the religious leaders. This is a giant no-no for the Pharisees. So in an act, at least how I read it, in an act of trying to find unity maybe, in an act of trying to find maybe a calmness in the room, one of the religious leaders says the simple sentence, blessed is the one who eats at the feast in the kingdom of God. Now on the surface, no one jumps and goes, oh my goodness, I can't believe he said that, right? 
Like no one here sitting in the room, no one watching online like, oh, wow, I can't believe he said that. It doesn't come across that way. I think in his mind, he's just trying to find some common ground, maybe lower that tension that's in the room. He's like, hey, what's most important is that one day we will all eat at the feast of the kingdom of God. No big deal, right? Except it was. No big deal, except it was. Because Jesus sees what's behind this statement, what maybe we don't see right away. Jesus knows there's something behind these words that maybe doesn't stick out right away. And Jesus isn't going to let this moment pass. No, he goes into parable-telling mode. See, every time Jesus tells a parable, he's just trying to use a story to get a point across. Jesus typically doesn't yell. He's not that fire and brimstone kind of teacher. He tries to speak on people's level. He wants them to understand. Just do common stories. But there's a big problem right now. In case you miss it, there's a big problem right now is this parable is not going to go over well. It is not too kind for the people who are sitting in that room with Jesus. This is what I mean. I need you to remember, they are the religious leaders of that community. These people have spent their whole lives committed to the Jewish laws. They have a deep conviction. Understand, they get a deep conviction of what they believe to be the truth about life. But there's a problem. There's a problem with this. They're so tied up in their own lives, in their way of thinking, that they are in jeopardy of missing what they've been looking for, hoping for, searching for their whole lives. They're in jeopardy of missing it. And the question is, will they see themselves in this story? Will they see themselves in this story? Will Jesus get their attention and something change? I don't know. But they would know. The moment Jesus talked about the man, the owner of the house, they would have known that Jesus was talking about God. And Jesus is telling them in this story that God is preparing a great He's been preparing this incredible party, a party that these people would have wanted to be invited to. It had been an honor to be invited to this party. You did not want to miss this party. And so God's people, the, the Jewish people, you know, they've been waiting their whole life to, be ex to experience all that God's prepared for them. And so what they've done is They've RSVP'd. They've committed that when it was time for the party, for the banquet, for the feast, that they would be there. No worries. We're going to be there. Now Jesus is saying, Jesus is looking at these leaders and he's saying to them, God was ready. He was calling all of his people to come and experience all that he'd prepared for them. Everything they've been looking for, everything they've been hoping for, it was now ready. Are you understanding what this feels like in the room? You're sitting in the room with these people. And Jesus is saying, everything that God has been preparing for, everything you've spent your life waiting for, it's now ready. 
it's going to be an amazing party. It's going to be a life-changing party. But Jesus brings the problem again. Jesus brings the problem again. He says, when God invited them to experience everything he prepared for them, it wasn't what they were looking for. It wasn't good enough. It didn't fit their scope of thought of what they wanted and been preparing for, had been wanting for. Jesus wasn't it. They weren't there for that. And Jesus is sitting there telling them right to their face what they've been begging for, what they've been crying out for their whole life, what they've been preparing for every day, waiting. And they didn't believe what they've been waiting for was found in Jesus. It wasn't it. So Jesus is right there telling them how people started making excuses. Sorry, I can't come because of this. Sorry, I can't become, I can't come because of that. I really wanted to be there. But he's telling the excuses are starting to come out. And he's warning them. He's warning them that their excuses are gonna have them miss the party. He's saying your excuses are going to have you miss everything. And because of this, Jesus continues the story and he's telling them because of their excuses, because of their rejection, what was God going to do? He was going to send out his servants to invite the people that the religious leaders would have never thought are worthy for the party. He's going to invite the, the, the crippled. He's going to invite the poor. He's going to invite the blind. He's going to invite the lame. He's going to invite these people that don't fit into the worthiness of this amazing party. It was the lesser people of society. the broken people of their community. But get this, Jesus wasn't done. He wasn't just going to invite them. He was going to invite people that weren't even part of their town. It's like, get outside the limitations, the area of, of people that you thought should be invited and invite anybody that would come. Just, just for a theological context here, he's talking about Gentiles. This is when the story gets to you. This is when the story gets to me. Saying Jesus opens the floodgates so he's going to invite everybody and anybody to this party. And in this moment, this is when it just it clicked. It triggered these Jewish people because it would have been scandalous. It would have been heresy. This is why they didn't trust him. How dare they say this to him? We're not even to the most, like, in-your-face part yet. We're not even into the part that was really going to push these people over the edge. Jesus was not done in this moment. He goes one step further. And I picture him looking at them in their eyes with an intensity, with an intentionality. And he says, for those that were initially invited, that rejected, you will never experience what I've prepared for you. 
So imagine being in the room again. Jump right into this story. Eating a meal. And Jesus is looking at them saying, y'all are about to miss out on what God is doing. You people who think you've got this figured out, think that maybe you're perfect, you're about to miss out. You're about to miss out on everything that God is doing. And you people are going to make excuses on why you're not going to accept the redemption, why you're not going to accept the forgiveness, why you're not going to accept the new life, the new way things that God are doing. What God has been preparing for you, you are going to miss out. He's sitting in the room and staring at the people saying, you're going to miss it. And so go back to where we were at the beginning. The man who said that simple sentence, isn't it going to be great when we all experience? Isn't it going to be great when we together experience the feast at the kingdom of God? And all of a sudden, Jesus is looking at him. He's like, yeah. He's looking at him saying, yeah, it's going to be a great feast. Yeah, it's going to be a great party. Yeah, it's going to be life-changing, life-altering, life-shattering in an amazing way. But it won't be for people like you who are going to reject Jesus. I said at the beginning of this message, this may be one of your most in-the-face parables that Jesus will ever share. There are times when Jesus kind of slow plays or, or, has, or soft kind of with his messaging and his filled grace and love. And, and there are other times that Jesus, without regret, looks at his people, says, you're missing out. He looks at them saying, you are missing out. You are screwing up. You are messing this up. And I think when Jesus gets aggressive in times like this, it's not because he's angry. I actually think it's the opposite. I don't think it's because he's angry. I think he just wants them to have it so badly. They are the reason that he came. And so Jesus gets up in their face. And this morning, why I shared this on Easter is because I think this parable is the heart of the Easter story. And if I can be honest today, I think Jesus wants to get our attention today. Because do we understand how much we're loved by him? Do we understand how passionate God is for us? Do we understand he'll do anything to help us to see what he wants for us? What he's prepared for us? I think he's battling for us. I think he's fighting for us. Because he's like, everything you've ever looked for is found in him. Everything your heart's cry has ever been about is found in him. We spend our days begging, begging for life to be what we hoped it would be. We live our life begging for things to work out. And we're like, it's found in him. 
And the problem is we can, without even realizing it, we can end up being exactly like the religious leaders in that room. We go through life with the never-ending pursuit of truth and happiness and, and joy, and we're, we're pursuing purpose and contentment and community and love and peace and hope, but we go through life and we never find it, and we continue to search, we continue to beg, we continue to hope for. But we end up like those people trying really, really hard. And maybe you sit in your seats today, wherever you are, and you're like, I'm trying really hard. But we end up like those religious leaders, and Jesus goes, look, the very thing that you've called out to God for is right in front of you. They want the feast, the party that God's preparing for them, it's right there. They want the life that God's preparing for them, it's right there. But then when God invites us to receive it, is there a part that doesn't, that doesn't believe all of that's found in Jesus? We decide that's not what I'm here for. Listen, the story of Easter is about God delivering on his promise to rescue his people. That's the story of Easter, is that God is delivering on his promise to rescue his people. The story about Easter is of God doing everything he can so we can experience a different kind of life, the life that he's always prepared for us. He's inviting us in this moment, to jump into everything that he's prepared for humanity. The problem is what we've seen since the day Jesus came is people have come up with all kinds of excuses. We are full of excuses. God prepares this amazing party but we his that we his people are invited to but when it's time to party when it's time to feast when it's time to go to what he's prepared how many of us have said no thanks i've got something better more important here's what i want us to see today i think we spend our whole lives looking for the answer when the answer to everything has been right in front of us. It has always been Jesus. We look for answers every day. We're looking for the solution to our problems. We're looking for how can we experience what this life is supposed to be like, and I think it's been right in front of our face. Jesus has been sent for you and me to be our answer for everything. You're in pain is Jesus. You're lost and you're confused about life is Jesus. You're tired, it's Jesus. You're driven with fear, it's Jesus. You're filled with this guilt and this shame and this heaviness and weight, the answer is Jesus. You're driven like you have this never-ending drive to be successful, but it never seems to be enough. The answer is Jesus. Your marriage is falling apart. It's Jesus. 
You don't know what future is in, has in store for you. The answers are always going to be Jesus. You want life to go beyond what this world has to offer. It's going to be Jesus. Jesus dies on the cross. He rises again. So you can find the answer you've been looking for. But the reality of life I want us to get today is it is in our hands. It's in your hands. The invitation has been sent to you. But how many times have we given the excuse after excuse of like, this is not what the answer is. How many times where you've heard a pastor like me, you've grown up in this, you know the invitation is there, it's on your fridge with the magnet, right? Like you know what is available. But excuse after your excuse has been life. I want you to understand something. When we say no to God's invitation, what that means is we're saying yes to something or someone else's invitation. When we say no to God's invitation, we're saying there's another party that I would rather attend. When we say no to God's invitation, we're saying there is something more important that you would rather give your life to. This is what we're saying. When you don't accept the invitation of God, you're saying there's something else. And can I tell you something today? God is going to let you do that. My belief is that God is going to let you do that. I believe that God has been letting you do that. But can I give you my two cents? And I know I'm biased because I'm the pastor, but I'm going to give you my two cents. Is that when you do that, when you say no, you're searching, you're waiting, your frustration, it will continue. Those sleepless nights and those times of anger that come just over you, those times you feel like, I can't figure it out, it will continue. You can say no to God's invitation because you'd rather say yes to certain relationships or dreams you have or, or, or addictions or, or, or jobs and money, whatever it is. You can say no. But your search for happiness will continue in life. Your search for peace will continue in life. Your search for purpose, your search for contentment, your search for joy and love and truth and then hope, it will continue in life. That's just my two cents. That God has prepared for a, a party for you that he's inviting you to. He's prepared a life that will change everything for you. This is the story of Easter, that God has sent Jesus so you can experience a greater today and you can experience a greater eternity. God has sent Jesus to change our lives. But the simplicity of Easter is also this. He's waiting for us to say yes to the invitation. He's waiting for us to say yes to this invitation that he has sent in the form of Jesus. And for me, it just comes down to a simple question. Where are you going to put your hope for life? Will you put your hope for life in the life you've been creating or trying to create for yourself? Or are you going to put your complete hope in God who's inviting you to experience what he has prepared 
for you. Hear me today. There may be people who have never given your life to Jesus. I don't know who's online or who's in this room. I don't know where you sit, but there may be people who have never given your life to Jesus and the invitation is there and and God is begging you to say yes because he's got this party he wants you to attend. And I want to give you that opportunity today. But I understand our culture. Yeah, I've only lived here with you for 16 years, but I understand this culture. This room and those rooms right now are filled with people that you have said yes to Jesus. You have said yes to the invitation, but can I tell you, it has stopped at the yes to Jesus and not the yes to a life change. And I'm wondering if this Easter is not about coming here and dressing in your nice clothes and then going to eat your ham after dinner with your family and say you went to the 9 o'clock service and I love our music, I love Pastor Scott's, I know that's what you're going to say. But maybe Easter 2021 is different because God's giving you an invitation to take a next step in your yes. Maybe you said yes to Jesus, but you haven't come all the way to the party. And maybe Jesus wants to grab a hold of you today and say, why are you holding back from coming all in? Why are you holding back from coming all the way? Yeah, you said yes to the invitation, but are you going to show up totally? And I kind of want to give us a marking point in our life. Maybe a potential marking point that we go April 4th, 2021, that for some of you, it's I'm going to say yes to the invitation because I've never said yes before. But for other people, is I'm going to go further in my yes to the invitation. Because maybe you said yes to Jesus and things are still, something's not right. And can I tell you what's not right? You can say yes to Jesus, but not give your life, and then because of that, you will not experience all that he's prepared. There's more. When you're going through a mess in life, you can find a peace you could never find anywhere else when you go all in with this. When things are falling apart and and you can't experience joy, there's joy to be experienced in the midst of just even sufferings. You want to find contentment in life because it's a never-ending pursuit of more. That's when you take that next step and say, Jesus, I'm giving all of myself to you. We need to wrestle this down. Where is your hope found, really? You can say yes to Jesus, but still put your hope in yourself. Do you know what I mean? Can we be honest with ourselves this morning? This is what we do in the South so much is we do really good at this, but what about on Monday? We do really good at this, but what do we do on Tuesday? Have we said yes to the complete invitation to the life that God's called us to? We're going to end in worship today, and I just want to give you a chance as you leave and have a great Easter day, I hope. We give a chance just to say, maybe God is calling me to something greater. And for you this morning, if that's a first-time commitment, I want that prayer to happen of just, Jesus, forgive me 
of my sins. You died on the cross and rose again for me, and I want to accept that forgiveness, and I want to say yes to the invitation, or maybe for you, it's God, I've said yes to you before, but in reality, my hope is still found in me. And so I've been kind of doing my own thing. I may believe in you. God, I want to take another step. And so can we bow our heads right now? And I believe the Holy Spirit moves and works. And so if this is for you this morning, that you need to give your life to Jesus on Easter 2021, and this is your marking moment, Will you say that prayer of God, forgive me for my sins. Thank you for sending me, Jesus. I accept your invitation and I give you my life. But for others, can we not take Easter lightly? And maybe your prayer is simply this, God, I want to say yes to your invitation in an even greater way. Help me to completely find my hope and life in you and in nothing else. Forgive me from when I've made life about me when I've said it's been about you. God, thank you for being patient with us. Thank you for being a God that forgives us when we don't deserve it. Thank you for being gracious. Thank you for coming. Thank you for Easter and what this means that when, when, when it feels like, like we have no outs, your death and resurrection shows us that we can't be overcome with anything because we've got you who's overcome everything. But God, we got to give ourselves to you and find our life in only you. And so we worship you today. We give ourselves to you today. And it's your name we pray.